But what I would say is the type of person that we had to look for to be a virtual CFO is completely different than the type of person that we would look for to be an accountant. Accountants think and act completely different, very risk averse. You know, they're, they're, they're very to the books, you know, head down, grinding things out. And so we had to look for personalities that were, that kind of fit outside that mold, you know, which, it, which it's very difficult to find. So you have to look for the person that's, that's willing to take a risk, the person that can communicate really well with people, the person that can read people, has a very high EQI. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. <laughs> yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Jody Grunden, who's the CEO and co-founder of Summit CPA Group, which is a fully distributed virtual CFO firm. He has authored two books, Digital Dollars and Cents, and Building the Virtual CFO Firm in the Cloud, and the winner of multiple awards, including recognition of 2020's Top Innovative Practitioner by CPA.com. Now, before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv is available for purchase on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle versions. If you'd like to learn more about the book, or better yet, order a copy, go to offscriptimprov.com and order your copy by just clicking the Click to Order button. If you'd like to buy 10 or more books, please contact me so I can offer you a bulk discount. You can reach me through my email at peter at petermargaritas.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with a friend. And I would greatly appreciate if you leave a review of this show wherever you download your podcast from. Also, please visit my newly rebranded YouTube channel, Peter A. Margaritas, CSP, CPA, Biz Improv Virtuoso, where you can see previous podcast video episodes along with this one. I've added most of season four interview videos to the channel and we'll begin working on season three shortly. While you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders 
a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on-site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the view with Jody Grundon. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, my guest today is Jody Grundon, a.k.a. Nostradamus of the accounting profession. And I say that tongue in cheek, but I think throughout this interview, you're going to see what type of foresight and what type of vision this gentleman has and what he's done to position his organization in a way to compete in the accounting profession in a very unique way. And first and foremost, Jody, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Peter. This is uh, going to be fun. I, I God, now he set that bar. Now I got to make it fun. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, so I'll just ask this first question. And, and what was it about? What was it? What was going on in your life at the time that you sat back and said, you know what? I want to do something different. I want to start my own Summit CPA firm. So what was going on at that time? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, so I started out in public accounting with uh, two uh, large regional accounting firms. And and both are great firms, love working with them. The only problem was it was taking a lot of time. So I was spending a ton of time during busy season, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week in some cases. And it wasn't something that I wanted to do long-term. It was one of those things every, every December came around. My, I started getting, you know, throwing up. I started getting physically sick because it was like just thinking of what was going to happen in these next three, four months because it really was pretty tough. And so I thought, you know, hey, this isn't working out. I decided to get out of the public accounting, didn't like it, it wasn't for me. And then I worked in the and worked in the corporate world. So I worked in there for another three years. And at first it was great, you know, exciting, something new. After a while, it became Groundhog Day. You know, it was one of those things of doing the same thing over and over and over again. I streamlined my, my position where I was working 50 hours a week when I first started to maybe 25 hours a week because I, I automated as much as I could. You know, took a 45, 50 hour week job down to something like that. I was and I was running at 250. I wasn't running it, but I was the uh, tax person slash cash management person for a uh, $250 million manufacturing company. So I, I was I had a lot of things going on. Right. And so. Um, at that point, I was like, well, I, this is so boring. You know, it was one of those things that I can't do this forever. I feel like I'm I'm taking advantage of the company because I'm not putting all that effort in, all that kind of stuff. And I decided, you know, I'm going to venture out on my own. And at that time, a, a, a local, or actually a regional firm, small, smaller regional firm approached me and said, hey, would you like to run this office for us? I'm like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And when I, when I broke it to the manufacturing company, they're like, you know, hey, only way you're going to do that is if you take us with you, at least on the tax side. Because uh, they were so big, they had to require audits. We couldn't do the audit, and so I'm like, "Yeah, that's great." And at that time, it was like a thirty-five thousand dollars tax return. And you know, back then in two thousand, you know, two thousand one ish, that was a lot of money. It still is today, but that was a lot of money. And I was like, "Okay, this is something that at least I've got something going." And and uh, short short story on the, the regional firm, it just wasn't me. It wasn't a good fit. And so I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to 
venture out on my own and uh, start my own practice. And, and, you know, with that, it was one of those deals where I, I, I wanted to make sure that I did things differently than what I learned from, you know, the other, you know, other, you know, the other CPA firm I learned from corporate. The first thing was I was going to dress down. I was going to dress like a regular person dresses, not in a suit and tie. Back then, all the accountants had suspenders. I was guilty of it. I've got still a closet full of ties I haven't worn in years. Uh, but with that, you know, suit and tie stuff, I said, you know, we're going to dress down. We're going to act like the normal person or normal client, you know, you know, maybe Dockers and a polo or something like that. And then I also said, you know, hey, no one on our team is going to work more than 40 hours a week. So we got to figure a way to do this because I that was the reason I love public accounting was because of the overwork, you know, initially. And uh, with that, we got to figure that out. And that, and that was you know, something we had we, we had there. And then the other thing was we didn't want to work on an hourly rate. So I wanted to see, hey, how can we do things differently where we're not billing people by the traditional accounting way of doing things, which is hourly. And back then, that's all it was. You know, there wasn't. No, no firms that we knew of at that point. I'm sure there probably were, but nothing that we knew of that uh, was doing things differently in all three aspects. And so uh, that was our tall task ahead of us. You know, it was just uh, myself and I hired uh, my, my now partner. I hired him right out of college. So it was just the two of us when we first started. Uh, so you can kind of imagine how that all worked. I, I bootstrapped the entire thing. I didn't have a huge savings account. I basically, you know, I'd never tell anybody to do this, but I, I, did, I, I, worked, I basically started a business on credit cards. You know, it was something that uh, the only way I could get cash. And at that way back then, cash was pretty easy to get from credit cards. And, and that's kind of how we started. It took, uh, took about two years for me to get a salary, you know, it, you know with that, because you're thinking all the extra effort you're putting in and trying to develop something. So it wasn't something that we just came in and, and say, hey, we're going to change the way every, we, you know, people think about accounting and boom, it's going to happen. It, it, it was a it was a really trial and error thing, you know, and and uh, we, we started off right away. And of course, Adam and I are working a ton of hours because, you know, that's we, we, it was just us. And it's like, well, how are we going to figure this out? And so we thought, you know, hey, for the tax return clients that we had, let's go ahead and change those and make those on a monthly client. And we thought, how because because if we did that, if we met with a monthly, fixed all their issues in accounting, then at the end of the year, their tax return be really simple. And oh, that kind of helps our, you know, lowers the tax, you know, what we're going to do during the tax season. And we did that. Clients loved it. They loved talking to us on a regular basis. It was kind of, we had a monthly meeting set up. A lot of times we went to the client. Sometimes they came to the office. Sometimes we just did over the phone, but not frequently. And, uh, you know, with that, the clients asked for more. And it was like, okay, that's interesting. They want to know more. You know, now that they had us, they wanted to know, you know, how, how does what, what they have, how does that impact going forward? And so we thought, you know, hey, they really are looking for the, they're not looking for the financial statements, it, you know, because we never, I mean, in, in corporate world, I got those all the time. We just put them in a drawer and never looked at them again, but they want, and, and that's kind of the same thing with them. They didn't know how to read them anyway. So, I mean, you know, so just producing them and giving them to them wasn't really a big help, but they wanted to know how we can take that information, right. And how we can kind of go forward and not just go forward on the revenue and the income side, which is kind of nice for what, tax planning, but they want to know what that's going to impact their cash. You know, are, are they going to be short in cash in November here or in January? You know, the, if I hire two employees, how's that going to impact things? And, and that's what they really wanted to know. And so with that, we started creating meeting cadences, you know, like the forecasting meeting, which we met with them to go through all that information from. And again, they asked for more and more and more. And we're like, well, what, what, you know, what, what else do you want us to do for you? And they're like, well, hey, can you meet with us more weekly on our short-term cash? I know we're talking long-term cash. What about our short-term cash? I'm like, yeah, we could do that. And so we started creating, you know, weekly cadences with weekly meetings and stuff. Well, well, that was kind of solving the issue of, hey, you know, hey, we're going to change the way people think about accounting and we're actually going to, you know, you know, get rid of the hourly billing because we, we right away, we went to flat fee billing. 
And, uh, you know, with that, we went to flat fee billing. And the reason we did that, it was because the hourly thing, you know, we tried it, you know, even though that we said we're not going to do it, we tried it anyways. And it seemed like all of our conversations were talking about our, our bill, you know, why do you charge for this quarter of an hour, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was like, geez, I don't want to talk about this information. I want to talk about their, you know, their company. And so we, we decided to do the flat fee thing, which almost put us out of business. And I'll get to that here in a second. But what the flat fee thing allowed us to do is allowed us not to be the bank. Because remember, we bootstrapped the company. I didn't have a big, huge, I, I, I couldn't afford to be the bank, you know, to have this big accounts receivable. So what we started to do is we started uh, creating a monthly uh, ACH where we were just simply taking their, the money out of their account every single month or every single month, you know, once a month. And, uh, you know, clients loved it. You know, they're like, oh, this is really great. I don't, you don't have to send an invoice. I don't have to worry about paying it. You can just zap my account. And it was great. We started doing that in about 2000, 2003, 2004. And uh, with that, you know, but we, then we thought, you know, why are we doing this monthly? Why don't we just do this weekly? We're meeting with clients weekly anyways for a lot of our engagements. And, um, you know, we, we, and so we said, you know, let's do it. And so we started doing it weekly. So every new client we had, it was a weekly ACH on Monday. And, you know, with that, it was pretty cool because that we got rid of the hourly building completely. We got rid of the administrative hassle, sending invoices to clients, following up on them, all that kind of jazz. We didn't have to do that. And we created what we call a subscription-based billing model. And it was really super cool. And so now clients, you know, every Monday, they get a, they get an, they don't get an invoice. They just get the money zapped out of their account. And we created our, our program in a way that, hey, you know what? There's no long one-year contract that they have to stay with us or a five-year contract or six months. It was a week by week, you know, if, and, and we thought, you know, hey, the risk was, you know, we might have people leaving, you know, what, we, what we're going to do there. And we thought, you know what? The risk is if we're not doing a good enough job, they shouldn't have to pay for it anyways. And so uh, we took that attitude from the very beginning and created that subscription-based billing model, which uh, was really cool. Clients loved it. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, it was, it was something that was completely new. So I'm right about my Nostradamus comment because fixed fee back in early 2000 and mm-hmm. subscription-based model back in early 2000. Now let's, let's put the trilogy here together yep. because 10 years later, you went virtual. Yeah. And, and it's more of a virtual CFO type of organization mm-hmm. versus the traditional firm organization. Yep. Yeah. So in 2004 is when we actually decided, hey, we're going to we're going to really focus on this service and this service only. And uh, that was the virtual CFO site. So we, we, we kind of priced it. And I kind of mentioned about pricing. We did a fixed fee pricing uh, for virtual CFO services. Um, it was something that we, we coined the name and we didn't, there's probably people using the name way before us, but there wasn't anybody in Google using the name. And so that's how we actually got on the first page of Google. So if you Google us, virtual CFO services, we pop up really anywhere in the United States because we were one of the first uh, to do that. And, and, and uh, with that, you know, what did that mean for a lot of people? It, no one knew what it meant because no one was searching for it back then. And now if you look on most accounting firms websites, you see virtual CFO services of some sort you know, what does that, what does that mean to them? But, but anyways, we, we, we decided the virtual CFO. And so over probably the next, probably eight years, nine years, whenever that was, we were getting no traction at all. You know, we'd pick up maybe three clients a year, four clients a year, you know, that type of thing. And then we picked up a client out of Rhode Island. And it was kind of interesting because it was really our truly only client that was not near Fort Wayne, Indiana, where we could actually go to their place of business. And it was a company called Lullabot. They're a fully remote company. They were one of the very first remote companies in the world. And they were a 
creative agency, meaning they did huge websites for, you know, Harvard, you know, big, big, huge companies. And uh, with that, you know, they, 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 they called us up and they said, you know, Hey, we love, we love your website. It's really cool. It's a little different than what normal CPA firms are. Would you be interested in servicing us or being our CFO? I'm like, yeah, sure. Where are you guys at? And they're like, Rhode Island. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. And uh, they're like, well, Hey, would you like, do, do you have the key is, would you have to come out and visit us then? I'm like, so I'm, then it's like, okay, now the big question, well, I go, do you want me to visit you? And they're like, no, not really. I go, of course we want to visit you. And so that's kind of how it started. And so we started doing the remote work from there. And, uh, you know, with it, you know, it was kind of neat because they're a fully remote company and uh, way before everyone's times. And we thought, you know, hey, this is kind of a cool concept. So here we're providing virtual CFO services. We finally figured out how to price it right, which is nice. It took us about eight, eight nine years to figure that out, which again, about put us out of business. But with that, we figured it out finally. And, uh, and and now we're now we're working with a remote company. We're like, hey, this sounds kind of cool. I, I like this idea of a remote company. And there was no other CPA firm doing it. No, no other financial firm, for that matter, doing it. And we thought, you know, hey, let's let's do this remote thing. This would be kind of cool because we're starting to grow. You know, we we found our we found our, our growth here. We're starting to grow, and and what better to grow when you've got the whole United States or even the whole world to hire people because it was really hard for us to track people to come to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And, and so with that, it was, it was kind of cool. And so we thought, you know, hey, let's do it. And um, I met with everybody at that time. We had a brick and mortar office. This was about 2013, 14. And, um, you know, they, they're like, um, you know, we always start out with a joke. And um, the joke was, you know, hey, uh, hey, guys, we're going to go fully remote. And it was like a uh, pin drop. They're waiting for the, you know, the punchline. I'm like, no, seriously, you know, why can't we do this? You know, and like any other accounting firm would do, they all push back, you know, like, oh, there's no way we could do this. It would never work. You know, you, they gave me every excuse in the world. I'm like, well, why is this company working out so well? And how can we service clients remotely, but not work remote ourselves? It doesn't make any sense. And, and I finally gave up, you know, because they're like, no, they can't do it. Even my partner was like, nope, can't do it. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go ahead and remodel the office and uh, we'll remodel the office and we'll make this really cool. I don't want to lose my entire team. And so I kicked everybody out for six weeks, remodeled the office, put TVs in their offices, made the cubes bigger. Oh, it was really cool. I mean, it was really a state-of-the-art type office. Spent over hundred grand at that time and, and uh, asked for everybody to come back in. I was pretty excited about the grand opening. I haven't even got the sign yet up yet. And it was like one by one, everybody's like, you know, hey, I kind of like working from home. Do you mind if uh, we do this permanently? And I'm like, sure. And then after everybody did, but like maybe four or five people, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me here. <laughs> so I, I built this building. <laughs> everybody decided to go remote because they figured out how to figure it out, right? You know, all their, they, they figured, just like the pandemic, fast forward the pandemic, nobody wanted to go remote because we talk all over the place about how great, you know, how great it is. And everybody gave their excuse. Oh, it never worked for us. Nobody would want to do it, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, they all came back with the same thing. Hey, we love it. And so I'm like, oh, perfect. I spent a hundred grand. I'm cool with that. <laughs> and now let's go ahead and, and hire only outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana, because we're going to make this a permanent thing where we can't go back. And uh, with that, we did. We started hiring outside of Fort Wayne. And it just, it, it was awesome. It was a great timing. And at the same time, we found our vertical because that creative agency was so cool that we really found our niche that we really wanted to work in. So we focused on that niche. It blew things up. You know, we instead of picking up four a year, we were picking up 11 in the first month. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is unreal. And which was great because we just went remote. So now we've got the world to hire from. And so it was it was it was just like a, a really cool dynamic. And it was like a, it just it spun really quickly uh, to where right now, you know, we grew from. 
uh, zero in sales back in you know back in 2002 when we first started to we'll do over we'll do we'll do a little over nine million dollars this year and 11 million dollars in 2022. Uh, so it's just a continuous growth and the subscription-based billing model enabled that growth. The fact that we're in a vertical enabled that growth. And then also the fact that we're fully remote and have been since 2013-14 uh, really helped that too. So yeah, so you're kind of right with the Nostradamus thing. It's kind of a, that's a cool compliment for sure. But uh, <laughs> you know, with that, I wish I could say I planned it all back in 2002, but it kind of evolved uh, with the idea that, hey, let's just take some risk and do things that no other firm has ever done. You think by taking risks, that's something accountants normally don't do. And you're very, um, you're a risk taker. And, mm-hmm. and and you, you fail at times, but then again, you, you have these successes. Mm-hmm. And, and in thinking about this, uh, as you begin to, to wrap things up, is so you're hiring all these CFOs and, and mm-hmm. virtually and around the country. What's one of the biggest challenges that your CFOs have um, when working with the client uh, virtually? Yeah, that, great question. I, I think the virtual thing, I don't think there's any issues there at all. I don't really think they have any challenges virtually versus being in person. Okay. I, I don't, there's, we really don't see any, any kind of glitches or barriers. The nice thing about it is if they have to miss meetings or late for meetings, it's not, it doesn't rearrange somebody's entire schedule, you know, right? It, it just bumps the Zoom meeting back for 15 minutes. Not a big deal. So you know, there's really not a huge thing there. But what I would say is the type of person that we had to look for to be a virtual CFO is completely different than the type of person that we would look for to be an accountant. Accountants think and act completely different, very risk averse. You know, they're, they're, they're very to the books, you know, head down, grinding things out. And so we had to look for personalities that were, that kind of fit outside that mold, you know, which which it's very difficult to find. So you have to look for the person that's, that's willing to take a risk, the person that can communicate really well with people, the person that can read people has a very high EQI, uh, high emotional intelligence, and, and you know somebody that can really kind of then steer the conversation, help the person solve their own problems. And so uh, that that's a, a unique individual. And so we had to change the way that we hired people because we were trying to throw accountants in that position, and it just wasn't working. Uh, it wasn't working for them or for the client. For them, because they felt so uncomfortable, they felt out of out of their own out of their place. Whereas uh, somebody that has that EQI and that you know, the different type of, of personality. Uh, it blended perfectly with them. And so, you know, we, we weren't looking for necessarily the, you know, the stereotypic gray hair, white person, you know, type of thing. We were looking for somebody just with soft skills, somebody that could really communicate. And so our CFOs became people with maybe six, seven years of experience right out of college, six, seven years out of college to those that had, you know, 20 plus hours. You know, the, the biggest thing the client wanted to do is we had to develop the program internally to be able to help that client or help that CFO and educate them on how to communicate, what to communicate, what our message is. And they, from there on, took it, took it, you know, took it to, you know, took it to the, you know, really, really developed it. And from the audience, remember, uh, Tom Alderton is an employee and works for uh, Summit CPA Group. And, and he was talking about some of the same issues about, you know, work with the client and, and being able to have these conversations and stuff. And, and I, I think what you've done is you've done something very creative and, and yes, Nostradamus is, is, but the ability to see that dream it and then have it come true, it's gotta be so fulfilling. And, and, and when I met you and you guys were talking to me, your business is just exploding, mm-hmm. which, which is, which is awesome. And you're first in the market with you doing this. And, and, and I mean, you and your team deserve a lot of kudos for what you have built and continue to build out. And uh, I, I, 
if, if oh by the way, if you have a since you are in Nostradamus, can you give me the lottery numbers on Mega Millions for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to share. <laughs> but but now there's no more cash flow issues ever at his company. <laughs> so um, if you could go back to the very beginning mm-hmm. and know what you know now, what would you do differently? Uh, the number one thing I would do differently is price my product completely differently. You know, I was very afraid that because it was such a different service, such a different thing. I was afraid people wouldn't pay for it. And uh, what I found is that it took me eight years to figure out how that people actually will pay for it. And you can do this profitably. You know, our average client way back when was like maybe $10,000 a client. We're like jumping up high five each other. Like, hey, we just picked up a $10,000 client. You know, over over the years, that's grown, and we've realized, you know, hey, we've got to be profitable with this thing. We've got to be, and, and you know, with that, now our average client's close to seventy thousand dollars a client, and we pick up four of those clients a, a month, not a year, a month, and uh, our closing ratio is about forty percent. So we've we've kind of made it so that you know, hey, the the service is in such high demand, and it is for everybody out there that's in the accounting profession that really wants to do this. The average order shouldn't be ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. You're really doing yourself a disservice, and it's going to be really hard to actually manage that. Because, like for ours, with a nine million dollar company, you would think we'd have got tons of clients, and we we don't. We have one hundred and fifty clients right now. Nine million dollar company. You can kind of do you can back into the math there. I would rather work that company than a six million dollar company with seven hundred, eight hundred clients. You know that 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 to me is a total disaster, and not something that. I feel I'd be able to service those clients well. And so the key is pricing it right so that you can pay your employees well, so you have happy employees, so the customer is getting satisfaction and you've got a solid solid base to give your customers. And it took us a long time to figure that out. We didn't figure it out overnight. It took us a lot of trial and error. It took us a lot of feedback from clients. And so we really listened to our employees, our clients, and really kind of developed things uh, to where it is now. You know, it'd be nice to have some of those great employees that we had back in, in the you know, the early stages there now, because the company is completely different, you know, from what we'd learned back then. You know, and it's because we finally figured out how to price the product and, and pricing is the, is, is really the key. Jody, I can't thank you enough for spending time. It has been very interesting. Um, how can people find you? Uh, if they want to find me, they can uh, either drop me an email if they like. It's Jody, J-O-D-Y at summitcpa.net, S-U-M-M-I-T, cpa.net, or they can just pop on the website, uh, summitcpa.net, and uh, they can uh, find us either way. Well, cool. Well, thank you so very much. And I look forward to more conversations with you because I'm intrigued by your Nostradamus skills. And I think <laughs> the next time I have you back, I want to say, I want to say, let's look at the accounting profession and let's vision out five, seven, 10 years. I'd, I'd love to get your ideas and thoughts on that. Oh, I'd love to share it with you. I would like to thank Jody, AKA Nostradamus, for sharing his journey in creating the accounting practice for the future. Really amazing, his vision, what he saw, what he created. And after our interview was over, we talked a little bit about all the stumbles that he had, all the failures that he had in order to get to this point. Just remember, when creating something new, when doing something innovative, we are gonna fail. We are going to stumble, but we get back up, we keep moving forward, and we just figure it out. 
And I'm using this quote throughout this entire year, I believe, unless something happens, but Jody epitomizes this quote. There are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they obtain. Be a yes person. Thank you for listening. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.